For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. We all agree tonight, all of the speakers have agreed that America has a very serious problem. Not only does America have a very serious problem, but our people have a very serious problem. America's problem is is bugging. It's one of two suckers, ignorant brothers, trying to rob and steal from one another. You get caught in the mid. So to crush that stereotype, here's what we did. We got ourselves together so that you could unite and fight for what's right. Not negative cause. The way we live is positive. We don't kill our relatives. Pop, 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 one and shot. Who's the blame? Headlines, front page, and rap the name. MC to light here to state the bottom line. The black on black crime was way before time. Triple brother, life with a knife.
out to stop violence. Uh. But first, let's have a moment of silence. Swing. Things been stated, re-educated, evaluated. Thoughts of the past have faded. The only thing left is the memories of our belated. And I hate it when someone dies to get all hurt up for a silly gold chain. Word up. It doesn't make you a big man. And to one ain't going, this your brother man. And you don't know that's part of the plan. Why? Because rap music is in full demand. Understand? Nominations. 
His Tookie Speaks Out series is credited with helping youth deal with the pressures of joining gangs, and Williams has instituted the Tookie Protocol for Peace, a comprehensive strategy for achieving peace on the streets of urban communities. I spoke with Stanley Williams recently and asked him his thoughts on clemency, forgiveness, gang violence, and black America. I know the world was a very, very different place for you 24, 25 years ago. Yeah. What do you remember and, and what do you miss? Well, I mean, as today, uh, all I remember back then was primarily the madness, the drugs, uh, the senseless violence, uh, the criminality, um, the womanizing, the ignorance, and things of that ilk. Uh, nothing but negativism. Uh, I wasn't uh, a happy individual. I've never experienced uh, happiness when I was coming up. We always say that hindsight is twenty twenty, And so looking back at your life back before San Quentin, do you often reflect on what you would have done differently? Do you feel as if society had let you down as a youth? Ooh, we. There's a myriad of things that uh, I would have preferred. Uh, Let's let's just say that, um, for one, I'd like to believe that if I would have had a a living father, a father at home, one who was uh, ethnic conscious, uh, culturally aware, uh, spiritual, hardworking, and uh, one who wasn't abusive, to uh, my mother, I believe that uh, that would have helped greatly. I believe if there were some viable programs around, youth viable uh, programs around, that uh, perhaps that would have helped. I know for a fact that had the uh, educational system been up to par, I would have uh, gotten an education because I could do the work. For me, it was just too easy. The teachers were insipid. Uh, they can care less whether I came to school or not. So um, things like that, uh, better, more um, more rapport amongst uh, the neighborhoods, amongst the, the families within the neighborhoods. You know, I've often heard that adage, uh, it takes uh, a village to raise a child, but uh, when I was coming up, there, were, there wasn't a village, a village around me or within the immediate uh, milieu, so that didn't occur. Do you believe in rehabilitation? Rehabilitation? Well, uh, I have uh, a problem with the word in itself. I mean, I, I assume there are people who can be rehabilitated. Um, I guess you can say, in a sense, that maybe I was rehabilitated, but I, I somewhat uh, I'm incongruent with that particular word because you have to be habilitated first. In other words, you have to have received it or experienced it, and to go back is re means again, to go back. Therefore, I don't believe I ever was habilitated. Do you understand what I'm saying? But uh, as far as redemption and self trans or a redemptive transition, yes, I've I've experienced that a thousand percent. So if somehow that can fall upon the the uh, 
category of being rehabilitated, and so be it. But I must say that while on death row, this place helped not an iota towards my reformation. Period. It was me. It was all me. I took it upon myself in order to uh, experience redemption and to undergo a, a self-transition. Why should the governor grant you clemency? Well, I mean, the thing is, is that uh, first and foremost, I would have to say that I am innocent. I've been saying that from the incipient of my uh, arrest. And uh, secondly, I would say if I'm uh, allowed to live, uh, Mr. Governor, Governor uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger um, grants me a clemency or an indefinite stay, uh, it will also enable me to uh, continue to disseminate my uh, positive message to youth and adults. And last but not least, uh, a clemency would, in a sense, uh, allow me to inevitably uh, prove my innocence. And also, I might say that... uh, I won't be just resting on my laurels or anything like that. Just recently, I had the opportunity to meet uh, vis-a-vis, face-to-face, with the president and CEO of the uh, NAACP, Bruce Gordon. And what emanated uh, from that particular meeting was a partnership. And uh, what that entails is that we're going to create a violence prevention uh, curriculum for at-risk youth uh, throughout America and abroad. So... My life uh, will not just be sitting uh, inertia in a prison cell. I will actually be, as I'm doing now, but on a higher scale, I'll be able to reach uh, not just thousands, but hopefully millions of youth and help uh, to reverse this cycle of madness. Do you feel that you are the victim of California's criminal justice system? The fact of the matter is is that... uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of the uh, statistics, but blacks are 6% of the nation's population, but uh, yet still 42% of the nation's uh, death toll are uh, black prisoners. And uh, even here in this state, we're talking about uh, black males representing 4% of the state population, but 36% of the state death row population. Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely... uh, an imbalance here, and it's easy for a black person to end up, or in essence, any black person to end up uh, on death row, but primarily black males. Can you walk me through a day in your life as it is right now? Well, uh, I wake up um, at 4 in the morning, sometimes 3.30, but primarily 3 o'clock. I get up, uh, I cleanse myself uh, before I pray. I spend uh, 40 minutes to an hour uh, praying, reading spiritual literature, things that uh, I feel that uh, enlightens me. And I exercise, and after that I have to cleanse myself once again. And then I start uh, typing, working on various literary projects. Right now I'm working on Thoughts of Thunder. It's a... um, a literary project that uh, it's a compilation of essays on various topics, uh, racism, violence, uh, prison, uh, religion, redemption, transition, uh, or transition, um, police violence, et cetera, et cetera. 
And the other book I'm working on is the uh, it's titled Female Gang Members with Forgotten Gender. So I I stay busy, mostly typing. I, I, I read. I'm a voracious reader. But as of late, I've been trying to get out my literary works. What's your style? My style? You can call it the art of fighting without fighting. The art of fighting without fighting? Show me, show me. Yes, I hate demons. I rip them in half, grab them, then I be stabbing them with my lyrical dagger. I'm getting mad like every single minute. Because every time there's problems, demons trying to get me in it. Ah, they're always doing something to try to hold me back from serving Christ. So I hit them with a spike back. Flat the devil's on the ground, so I kick them. Because this is one Christian that ain't going to be another one of the devil's victims. Shake him with my rhyme in the spine. Vengeance is mine, take it the Lord, so I don't live by the sword. And if they got peace, then I leave it alone. Because I'm saved to the bone. God is on the throne. He set me free. Glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And now I'll be hanging demons by their necks with my might. I'm throwing out the wicked like the witches from East Wick 
they say they want that grill back, it's time to bring that grill.
me a G-O-M-A We the team, Christ be the king forever They sell greed as need, but we know better Tell the enemy that he can get an E forever I know you got bills, dog, but we all got them And now stop y'all from hitting the mall shopping So you break the law to get what you can't afford Cause the latest song says it nothing unless y'all got it That's what I call bondage, and I'm free from it I mean, I need money, but I don't need money Cause understand it when the famine hits And no one to sell they food And people will see they can't eat money I am a G-O-M-A Courtesy of G-O-B forever That you live and you die for Put your soul freedom in your life on the line for Put it's time to quit living life in the blindfold They got you ready to murder your brethren For a dollar that it only costs a four cents to print It's evident we need help But the question is Will you serve a living God or a dead president? See, the value has never been the paper. The value is in the resource that you pay for. Because if that same resource was made free to you, it would literally destroy what cash means to you. So how you risk your life for a paper dollar when as long as you have a life, you can make a dollar. But all the money in the world can't make a life. Get your money, but keep God first and make it right. Uh, I am a G-O-M-A. Courtesy of G-O-B forever. Put God at the top and stop putting money first Putting cash first Got a bunch of us up in hers Leaving us with paper that won't cover up the hurt Somebody listening now blinded by the paper And all this running through they mind is how I'm a hater The truth is I ain't rich but I'm not broke And I done turned down deals you to hop on If the money's really worth something and we print it Then how we in a deficit? Bet you never questioned it How's $20 worth less than a hundred? They the exact same thing with different numbers on them It's just a tool that they've been using to get control That's why they put you in a cell if you print your own But everything including us, they get the clone Knock it off, you funny money, and never get us thrown I am a
I had a goal uh, that by the time that I was 25 years old, I would acquire $360,000. But hard work wasn't in Ivan Horton's plan to make his riches. It was like taking candy from a baby. It just was easy and it was profitable. That wasn't how Ivan was raised. His parents were pastors of a church and Ivan learned about God at an early age. I was singing, I was stomping my feet, praising in the choir. My mother made us pray, my father made us pray, so we, we was doing it as a duty. His parents divorced when he was a teenager. With his dad out of the home, he found role models on the streets. I grew up on the west side of Chicago, and people dealing drugs, everywhere you turn, it was you know money. People had good clothes on, people had good cars. So Ivan and his friends started selling drugs, and the money poured in. He was now able to buy the things he once only dreamed of, and his family noticed the change in his life. I kept increasing in it, and um, the family, they knew about it, and they began to pray that I can, you know, uh, for my deliverance. One afternoon, he got into a car with a friend who was on the run from a rival gang. As they tried to get away, they ran right into their enemies and had no way to escape. The car went out of gas. When the car went out of gas, right in front of these uh, men, they jumped out of the uh, van and they, they began to shoot machine guns. They sprayed the car with bullets. His friend was shot 19 times and killed. Ivan was hit seven times. I got shot in my chest. I got shot in my back. I got shot in my stomach, uh, you know, multiple times. But even nearly getting killed wasn't enough for Ivan to get out of the drug game. That showed me, are you willing to die for this? And I thought, oh, as a young man, I thought it would be honorable to die for it. You're glorified for, for um, sacrificing your life for, for the streets or for your neighborhood. While Ivan got in deeper, some of his friends had found a way out and had become Christians. One was his barber who helped Ivan see that there was another way to live. He was on the streets with us, but then he, he, he changed his life. When he changed his life, he didn't be at peace with himself. And so I would listen to him. Even so, Ivan still believed his peace would come with financial security, and nothing was going to stop him. I set goals to you know get into the $100,000 level. And then I set goals to get to $200,000 level. I came into a place of, I got my goal, and I, I have everything to protect myself. Ivan felt invincible, until one day, he and his brother were ambushed in an alley by six men. They hit me nine times, and when I saw my brother got shot, I, it, it, it just shook me. I felt the presence of death. I felt like it would, it, I would not make it out of this alley. At that moment, I really thank God right there. And I was still a sinner, but I knew that it was only God that I was still alive. His brother also survived the attack. Ivan finally realized that money would never provide him the security he wanted. It was hard to break that belief. I thought that, uh, that I, would, I would just die in the streets. My parents was, uh, they was telling me about the Lord. Uh, my father was working with me in faith. He was, um, he was showing me different scriptures and talking to me. His sister gave him a videotape of Bishop T.D. Jakes. He started talking about how we try to manipulate our lives. 
and how we try to provide our own security for our life and uh, all these things that I was doing. Seemed like he was just talking to me. I heard the Holy Spirit say, you need to let it go. I accepted Christ. I, I began to feel peace. It felt like I was being cleansed from the years of bitterness, the years of anger. He cut ties with his gang. I called everyone who I was involved with, you know, other leaders, and I told them, I, I told them it's over for me. I had told them that they could take the drugs and they could take the money. Ivan eventually moved to live with his dad in California and begin a new life. That love of God is so amazing. <laughs> it's so amazing. I didn't deserve it at all, but I received it. When he chose me, it just it's just a testament to his grace. Whoever will allow him to come into their heart, he'll do things, do great things for them. I knew every day either it was me being killed or it was me killing someone or going to prison. Those were the three things I expected every day when I woke up. Amner Falero spent much of his life in a gang, trapped in a vicious cycle of violence. Abner was five when his father, a pastor, left him, his mother, and his brothers for another woman. He knew only one way to cope with the feelings of abandonment and rejection. He's the person I looked up to. He's the person I worship. He was my everything. I tried to block the reality of my father's not coming back. I didn't know how to go about it. I didn't understand it. I was too young. But as Abner watched his mother struggle to provide for her family, he became angry and violent. Violence got me what I wanted. It got me protection, a way of me releasing my stress. The higher the level, the easier it was for me to sleep at night. Abner was kicked out of every school he attended and by 16 had joined a gang. The gang was my family. It was the way I found my finances, my protection. We all believed in the same thing, violence. For the next 10 years, Abner was in and out of prison more than 30 times for armed robbery, assault, and a number of other violent crimes. I was miserable. I wanted out but I didn't know how to get out of it. This is who I am, this is what I do. It's my destiny. Either I'm gonna die, or I'm gonna spend the rest of my life in prison. Then at 26, Abner was arrested for possessing a weapon while being a convicted felon. He was sentenced to seven years in a maximum security prison. I didn't know guilt. I didn't know remorse. I didn't know emotions. It was like I was numb, numb to, to who I was. With little more than a year left in his sentence, Amner got caught up in a prison brawl and as a result would serve the rest of his time in solitary confinement. 23 hours locked down a day, seven days a week. I hit rock bottom. It felt like me committing suicide would be the easy way out. Then one day, a guard passed him a Bible. 
and I just threw it to the side. But for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I knew that Bible was in myself. It was almost saying like, I'm here, God is here. Eventually, he picked it up and started reading. And I started struggling with myself. I'm the worst of the worst. And can there be a God that can forgive me right now? And it was a tug of war of which way do I go in life? And how do I go about it? Abner says while he was reading the Bible one night, he started saying things. I saw fire, like I was burning, like everything around me was on fire. And I got on my knees and I cried and cried and cried. I can't be like my father because my father was a Christian and a pastor. That's not me. I will never be like my father. And the Lord was calling me and saying, you know, I, I got you, you know. You're looking for a father. And I got you. I'm your father. So, it was like, for one point in my life, for once in my life, since I was five years old, someone appreciated me. Someone loved me. So, it was like a ton of bricks gone. It was like gone. That was the, the day that the process started. In the two years after his release, Abner tried to live a godly life. But when he couldn't find work, he got discouraged and slipped back into old patterns. He got busted for robbing someone and landed in jail for another three years. I started cleaning my act up. No more crimes. No more crimes. So I got on my knees and prayed. I give you what I have left. Once again, God freed me. Abner says God also freed him from his anger and helped him forgive his father. Today he's married and has a son. He shares his story at churches and prisons, telling people that God is always with them. I see Jesus now as my father figure. I had a father the whole time that was looking out for me, that was protecting me. And it wasn't that he left me. It was that I took the blindfolds off. Quick, 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 quick,
<laughs> she called me. She's like, you need to come back to church. And I'm like, why do I need to come back to church? There's nothing there for me. And she's like, well, you might find a nice woman. And I'm like, who? She's like, Madeline. I'm like, what? And so I start going back to church. And so I'm playing, and nobody really knows everything yet. He was partly honest, but I never really got the whole truth from him. He only gave me what I needed to know. So I'm going to church, playing the piano, you know. I'm not singing at that time, really. I'm just playing my brother and sister leading worship. As soon as church gets out, I'm gone, you know. Uh, that night, I'm back in the streets. Well, actually, the way my parents felt about me doing worship in church and, and this lifestyle, they told me, you know, you go ahead and play. We're going to pray for you. We're going to keep on praying. Don't think that we condone it, you know. And God told them that his deliverance is in his praise. And I'm thinking, like, okay, y'all have no clue how deep I am. He hit it so well. I was really surprised because... I'm like, you go to church every Sunday, play the keyboard. Nobody can tell that I'm on drugs. I was very good at hiding everything. You couldn't tell. I didn't know I married a drug dealer. I really didn't. One day I was just like, I'm going to tell her. And I could see the devastation on her face. And she was really upset. It really hurt her. And I remember one day driving home, banging on the steering wheel, saying, God, why did you give me this person? Why? I don't deserve this. And clear as day, he said, because I needed you to help make him better. I was in this house and I was selling them some cocaine and I'm going upstairs to sell this guy drugs. And uh, his gun drops out of his pants. There was a lot of nights that I stayed up, I couldn't sleep and I just prayed for him and just asked God to protect him. He apologizes and I'm like, what are you doing? And he throws it in his room, closes the door. And we go in this other room and we start weighing out the drugs. And so I leave and two weeks later, I get this phone call in the morning. One of my friends got shot in the head by the guy that I just sold drugs to. And God tells me, that should have been you. And I hear it so clearly, that should have been you. Right there, when that situation happened, that's when I began to start praying again. And I'm like, God, help me. I would cry out to God. And um, he just began to show up. He began to show up and wrap his arms around me and love me and tell me that I can do this. My sister used to um, tell me, hey, can you come play for me? Uh, I got I to gotta sing with Gordon at, um, at this class. And so I would come out and I would play for her. And guy would move. You know, he'd move and I would see the things that were going on and I could feel the anointing and sometimes I would just cry. Like I could do nothing else but cry. I'm so excited for what God is doing right now. It's amazing to see this strong, bullheaded person in the streets turn his life over to Christ and be used with his same uh, personality but for the kingdom of heaven. It's, I'm so proud of him. And then I start going to minister's class in my, at my parents' church and got my minister's license and start preaching at the church. And then I start preaching even at the spiritual gifting webcast. And he loves with his whole heart. He's not mean. The love of God has really changed the mean, angry. Jay, or Jay Blue Yeza used to call him in the streets. He's no longer that person. 
He's totally sold out for Christ, and it's, it's an honor to be his wife. I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying God. I'm enjoying my wife. I'm enjoying my family. I mean, I'm just, I just got so much joy now. Like, you can, in my old pictures, I wouldn't even smile. They'd be like, who is this? And now I'm smiling all the time. <laughs> After he died, we realized it's not worth it. It's not worth your life. Yeah. My name's Artie, and I'm from San Diego, California. Born and raised, and um, I grew up in a lifestyle of gangs, uh, drugs. Uh, prison, youth authority, and I just want to let you know, man, uh, one day God came into my life and, and He changed me, and I'm going to tell you the story how it happened, um, you know, while well, I was 12 years old, um, I used to smoke PCP, I started hanging around the homeboys, um, before I was 15 years old, I had been shot three times, in and out of juvenile facilities, Campo, um, 24 hours school, eventually ended up in the youth authority. During those times, you know, getting shot at, shooting at people, shooting people. And um, it was in the area in San Diego where there was a lot of gang violence, you know. I was from a neighborhood called Loma, and, and the neighborhoods around there in Southeast San Logan, Sherman, Market, Shelltown, it, it was real violent. So I ended up hitting the system. I ended up, uh, you know, just as a young boy, just feeling pain that I never felt before. Like, you know, I was, you know, I was being themselves. What am I doing here? What's my purpose? Eventually, you know, I would get out and and right back in jail. You know, going to the county jail, ending up in the big league, state prison, and um, you know, just living a life of pain, living a life of lies. And um, I want to tell you, man, that you know, wherever you're from, you know. Los Angeles, Northern California, you know, Sureño, Norteño. You know what? I want to tell you that God loves you, that God can save you. If He could save a person like me, I know He could save you. And um, how He came to save me is, is uh, you know, I became a father, and I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't do time and raise my son. So, you know, if, if you fathers out there, you know, you guys are sh uh, strung out on drugs or stuck in gangs. I want to tell you, man, that God God can change your life. He could save you. And you could be a good father to your children. And, and you, be, you can become something in life. You, could, you know, God will give you insight on what you could be doing and what you should be doing instead of being in jail, stuck, stuck, you know, strung out on a corner, you know. And, um, you know, I went with one of my pastors up to Northern California uh, last year. And I, 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 was in, I was in areas where, you know, nothing but a guy from the north. And, you know, I'm walking through there. You know, a person who grew up in Southern California, and these guys are looking at me like, you know, who's this guy? And I would go up to those guys, and I would tell them, you know what, God loves you. Jesus loves you, man. Jesus could save you. I know what you guys are going through. You know, it don't matter that I grew up in Southern California and you're from Northern California. You know, we, we, we all live in the same world. You know? I mean, just in different areas, different situations, but I'm telling you that God can change you. You know, you don't have to go to prison no more, man. You don't have to 
shoot at somebody because they're from a different area or 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 because he's wearing a different color, you know. God can come into your life and he can he, he can change you, you know, and he can give you a heart, you know what I mean? You can start caring for people. You know, before I was the type of person I didn't care about nobody except my homeboys. But God again came into me and he changed me and, and still to this day he's changing me. And um you know, while I was up north, you know, it it was it was different for me, you know. I was growing in the things of the Lord and, and I, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, I was a little nervous at first, you know, because I'm from Southern California. I didn't know how these guys were, were gonna react, but again, I trusted in the Lord, I trusted in God. And and there I went into the neighborhoods where the homeboys were hanging out and I and I would tell them, you know what? I know what you guys are going through. I know what you guys are going through, and God can help. And they listen. So, you know, I just want to encourage any of you guys who, who that are watching this that, you know, God can come in your life. He, he can change you 100%. You know, all you got to do is call on His name. You'll hear your cry, man. Hey, it gets old out there, man. It gets tiring. You know, I was the type of person, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave my neighborhood for nothing. For nothing. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't scared, you know what I mean? I wasn't, I was, I was one of them macho guys in the neighborhood, you know what I mean? I did anything and everything for my neighborhood. But you know what? I tell you what, man, God's love is a hundred, hundred, hundred more better than, than any neighborhood, I'm telling you. You know, the homeboy's love can't compare to, to God's love. Because he comes in and he shows you real love. Now I, now I'm able to share that with my son. I just wanted to share that with you guys today, so I want to tell you guys, you know, I encourage you. I hope you guys get
Can you talk about why you started the Crips? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I stated it uh, in my memoir, Blue Rage Black Redemption, that we started out, at least my intent was to, in a sense, um, address all the so-called neighboring gangs in the area. And uh, to put, in a sense, I thought I can cleanse the neighborhood of all these, uh, you know, uh, marauding gangs. But uh, yeah, I was totally wrong. And eventually we morphed into the monster we were addressing. In what way? 
Well, we became a gang. We became exactly what uh, I had uh, odium for, which uh, were gangs, street gangs. I mean, they were, they became a pest. They were a pest. Every time I looked up, uh, my friends were being uh, preyed upon. And when I came from camp, I decided to create something that would deal with them, to put them in, a, in their place. I mean, it's 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 really uh, ironic because we did too good of a job, and we morphed into what we were fighting, what we were battling against. Stanley Williams, your critics say you might be running the Crips from death row. What is your response to that? Well, I say that uh, whomever says that, uh, whatever institution or singular person says that, that uh, you must take that and society must take that with a grain of salt. I say that because of the simple fact that I have documentation in which, uh, if you know my editor of the books, of my children's books, uh, Ms. Barbara Becknell, she can forward you or email you uh, the comments that I received from the uh, institutional uh, classification com uh, committee that commended me on my positive program over the last 10 years, and that's dated on August 5th, 2004. So that, uh, in a sense, uh, contradicts anything that anyone is saying. This, they're, what they're saying, these lies, these spurious allegations that these people are throwing out there are just something that they're putting out there in order to exacerbate, uh, to expedite uh, my execution. I mean, any time that they can make it appear as though I'm still a monster, then society will say, well, kill him. It facilitates my death. Common sense. That's what it does. That's what these people have been trying to do for the last five years with uh, with impetus. This is what they've been doing. Stanley Williams, what are you most proud of in your life? Other than writing the children's books and my memoir, uh, my redemption and my change. I never thought ever that I'd be able to uh, change because of the simple fact uh you have 120 seconds left on this call. Thuggery was all I knew. I lived it. I breathed it. Uh, being a crip was all I knew. I thought there was nothing else. I dreaded uh, life after cripping. I dreaded that. But I say to any individual who's in a gang that if you have enough, enough courage to get into a gang, you should have equally enough or even more to get out of it. As you can hear, we just have a minute to go unless you can call us back. Uh, what message do you want people in this country to hear right now, and the governor, if you were meeting with him yourself? Well, uh, once again, I must say that I'm, I am innocent, and I, I understand that it's uh, difficult for a person who is poor, a person who has a criminal background, as I have. You have... 60 seconds left on this call. A person who is black, a person who is minority, it is very, very difficult for an individual to obtain to obtain uh, justice, as I've seen. It's, it's very difficult. And I feel that justice should not be predicated on a person's
creed or color or race or social stratum or uh, intellectual prowess or any of that. Could you call us back? I will try. And if I do, I only have a few minutes. We'd appreciate that. Okay. Will do. Thank you very much. You're welcome.
if you want to go ahead and take the show off, uh, go on down someone to you, 775 space code All right, thank you for uh, checking out the show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.